Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T.com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and I appreciate so much that you are listening today. And I hope that your Christmas, your New Year's, went well. If not, we have a lot to look forward to in 2021. And I know that 2020 was, wow, was that a hard year. I have to tell you the truth. Even the very last two days of 2020 were tough. I sprained my ankle in Dallas, and then my husband broke his foot on New Year's Eve. I mean, it has been crazy. So we're healing very nicely. But it's very frustrating, and both of us did it to our right ankles. It's it's just kind of, I don't know. I don't even know what to make of it. Anyways, I know that this year is going to be much better, and I am believing that, and not because I'm trusting in anything, you know, politically or in terms of the world, the world doing what it should do, or people getting themselves right side up and no, I, I'm really believing that this new year is going to be good because God has already gone before us and he'll be with us. And he's not going to leave us and he won't forsake us. And I think that these are some very difficult, extremely difficult times and very tumultuous and can feel you know, quite scary and quite depressing. And so I, I want to give you just some ways to manage this. And to manage at, you know, any other time in your life, in the future, if you become disheartened, dissatisfied, afraid, worried, you know, any of these things, it's really helpful for us to have some, just some road marks, just some um, different things that we can go back to that we know help, support, and, and really keep us moving along. And so we know that Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, it says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Or without vision, the people perish. Without guidance from God, law and order disappear. But God blesses everyone who obeys his law. So the reason that I think this is really, really important is that this whole experience that we have gone through 
is really ultimately trying to teach us that our hope, our security, our happiness, our joy, our meaning, our purpose is not from the outside world. It's from the inside world. And that's one of the hardest things to do. All of us are, are wanting to chase feelings. We're wanting to chase experiences and thinking that somehow it's out there somewhere. If I could just get there, then I'd be happy, right? It's that if only then. So this is what I want you to think about. We have to have vision. You have to have vision of who you want to be, what you want to do, where you want to go in life. You need vision to know what God's doing through you and in you and for you. And so when it says where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keeps the law happy is he. So I say to people and myself frequently, if I don't know what to do, I just keep the rules. Now, we all know that there are some rules that need to be broken. There are some rules that are necessary. But here's what I want you to think about. I don't want you to just cave into the new environment of our world and think that somehow this is the new way to act and take our cues from the horizontal world, that world that's around us. We want to say to God, I need to keep your rules, your law, even if my country, even if my neighbors, even if whoever is not keeping them, who am I following? Am I following God? Am I following man? And so another, an, another version of this Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, it says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. This is really important to understand, that if you don't feel like you can see what God is doing, if you're not understanding the God that you serve, then it's very important that you don't look to the right, to the left, to who's in front of you and who's behind you, and try to get your cues from people that are struggling just as much as you are. So we want to think about where our influences are coming from, who we are allowing to influence us. So Jesus Christ, he had a clear vision of what his mission was to do. As a result, his life had purpose, meaning, and fulfillment in that he achieved his mission here on earth. Now, when we think about purpose, meaning, and fulfillment, that doesn't always mean positive. It doesn't always mean it feels good. But in the end, it will always feel the best. So the word truth, right, means reality, that God is wanting our reality to match his truth. And he says, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the truth is always longstanding. The truth can, be, can stand the test of time. The truth is always the truth, no matter what the current trend or fad is of the day. The truth is still the truth. So we need to make sure that we are searching for truth. Because otherwise, we perish. We have no meaning. We have no purpose. And that's what the, the Proverbs is saying. 
that without vision, without meaning, the people perish. So I know you've heard me talk about Andrew Newberg. He's a neuroscientist, and he works at or did his Ph.D. at Thomas Jefferson University. And Mark Waldman is a communications expert, and he is, is also, these two guys have done these phenomenal books. And, and I know that you've heard me refer to how words can change your brain, how God can change your brain. But I want to start with this in saying, this is, this is they're, they're saying, this is, this is the entire synopsis of these books. It says, a single word has the power to influence the expression of genes that regulate physical and emotional stress. The word that you think on, this is why God says, think on those things that are pure, righteous, of good repute. What you think is what you do. What you think creates your beliefs. So we want to make sure that the way we're thinking is lining up with God's truth. So I'm going to talk to you today about a man named Viktor Frankl, and he really is one of my greatest heroes. He's a psychiatrist, a Jewish psychiatrist, that had to endure concentration camps in the 1930s. And, the, and what came out of his experience was an entire protocol for healing the mind, for healing the, your life, healing your body. And this is where it's really important that we recognize we cannot get our motivation from the external world. So I, I want to, to tell you a little bit about Viktor Frankl. Because he, you, he begins by telling the reader of, of the book, which is Man's Search for Meaning. His, his experiences and his observations, and instead of generally describing what happened at the concentration camps, he tells the reader about the everyday problems he and his fellow prisoners faced while living within them. And his ultimate goal in this book is to how to explain how the prisoners' minds were affected by these experiences. And I, I encourage you, it, it, all of you, to read this book. It, it was life-changing for me. And so what he does is he talks about the, the common prisoner and the enormous sacrifice and struggles they made. And when you think about this idea that prisoners went through what they went through, you, you'll be amazed at what, at what you find out. So he, he, he notes that generally the prisoners that were able to survive were the ones who were willing to do anything to hold on to life. So many times the cruelest prisoner, prisoners were chosen to be the capos, which is the prisoners appointed to the guard, so they had extra power. And so brutality was necessary in the camps. That Frankel says that everyone who survived a camp knows the best of us did not return. Think about that. The best of us didn't return to civilization. So this is where he sets out these two goals for his book. He wants to explain what happened to the camp survivors psychologically. 
and he wants to explain to others the psychological difficulties of returning to a life after surviving the concentration camps. And Frankel's, he, he questions whether he achieved the detachment necessary to conduct, you know, a- accurate observations. To you and I, it really is not necessarily that as important as the truths that he walked away with. And so this is, this real, very powerful book helped so much in my life to recognize what I could control and what I could not control. What was I going to fight with? What was I going to die over? What am I thinking on? And how is that shaping the experience of my life? This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about the inside and the outside. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me today. And we are talking about vision. And the, the verse in chapter 29, verse 18 of Proverbs, it says, without vision, the people perish. And so this means that vision, a lot of what, what the writer is saying is that we need to have goals. We need to know where we're going. We need to know who we're following. And what's very important in today's just where we're at in our country is we may not want to follow the leaders that we have and that you know we we don't have to necessarily do that but what we do have to do is make sure that we are following ultimately the lead of God and we're letting him deal with the people that may may or may not be following after his heart and that doesn't mean that we just you know lay down roll over and just accept It means that we want to stay being a bright beacon. We want to stay being a people that offers hope and offers a way, regardless of the despair, regardless of how crazy or upside down things may seem. And so there was was an African-American scientist and inventor, and his name is George Washington Carver. And he was born in 1864 and died in 1943. Now, he was born into slavery, and went on to become a botanist and one of the most prominent scientists and inventors of his time, as well as the teacher of the Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. And he said, where there is no vision, there is no hope. That you have to have vision of who you want to be, what you want to do, and where you want to go. And if we don't understand the call that God has on our life, or the point of, of the birth of ourselves, why we are here, why God was doing this to begin with, why God continues to let the earth evolve, then we're going to get despairing and despondent. And what happens with anyone that struggles with depression, despondency, despair, no hope, no vision, is we want to then fall into indulgence. We think we have a right to self-indulgence. We think we have a right to assuage our pain. So the vision for your life has to include Jesus Christ. If we have faith, we have vision, and then we always have hope. See, Jesus Christ, he had a clear vision of what he was supposed to do, what his mission was. And as a result, 
His life had purpose, it had meaning and fulfillment. That's not to say that it was without pain. Because John 8.32 says, You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The truth will set you free. I have found this to be the case so many times in my own life and in the life of my clients. That no matter how scary or ugly or bad or depressing the truth might be, if I'm willing to show up and be brave enough to honor the truth, I will always feel free. And that will be part of an inside experience. It doesn't mean I'm free on the outside. And one of the things, as we, as we were talking about Viktor Frankl, one of the most amazing insights that he had while he was living in this concentration camp with brutality that is beyond what we can even imagine, is that he recognized that the strongest prisoners were the ones that died sooner. And ones like he, who were kind of slight of build, what he recognized is that those prisoners knew they could do anything to my body, anything to my possessions. They can, you know, smear me, they can hurt me, they can beat me, they can lie about me, whatever it is. They can, you know, refuse to give me the things that I need. They can make my life so hard, they can cause me to have to pander to people that are disgusting. But he said, but they can't control my mind. They can't tell me what to think. They can't tell me how to express my own unique identity. And this is imperative. And he recognized that the strongest prisoners were the ones that died sooner. And the prisoners that kept hold of their inner soul that knew that there was purpose beyond this concentration camp, that knew who their God was and didn't get in a power struggle with God as to why or why not he's letting all of this happen. You see, th this is going to be a little uncomfortable, but the truth is children have a deep need for understanding because part of it that's the building blocks of trust in their parents. So one of the ways they learn to trust their parents is they ask why. Why, 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 why do I have to do this? Why are you making me do this? Why is this happening? And what happens as they grow is they begin to recognize that the why isn't always as important as the who, which is me. What am I going to do about what is going on in my life? How am I going to manage it? How am I going to respond and react to it? And so this, this whole experience for Viktor Frankl led him to write an entire book, several books, so you could spend four years in a PhD researching what he has done. But what he concluded from all of this was that nobody could steal his soul. Nobody could tell him how to think. Nobody could control his hopes, his dreams, his visions. And he trusted in the God that he served. And he didn't ask God why. Now, he may have done it in the beginning, may have asked him a couple of times, I don't know. But that's a futile, futile behavior. And it's very hard on your mind. It's very hard on the brain. 
to give it a problem it can't solve. Because it will start telling you all kinds of answers to help you feel better. But they most likely are not going to be the truth. So part of this idea, when we have a, an environment, a situation that, that is thrust upon us that we don't have a whole lot of control over, the one thing we can control is what we think. For as a man thinketh within, so he is. And the second thing is trust. Do I trust God or not? And that's really what it boils down to. Do I trust God or not? And for many of us here in America, we, have, we know the history of our country and we know about other wars and battles and what people have gone through, but the majority of us have never seen any of it in our own life. In fact, the battles that we have are mostly ourselves and the people around us because we don't like how we feel and we want to feel good. So this is a new experience for us to have to recognize that, wow, this is going to be uncomfortable. This doesn't match the way that I think and feel. I don't feel heard. I don't feel seen. I don't feel respected. And I want to lose hope. So this is imperative that we recognize that the one thing we can control every moment of every day in this life is what we allow ourselves to think on, think about, and, and truly what we fill our minds with. Because that becomes our internal world, and out of that internal world, we act. And this is why it's imperative to recognize my thoughts lead to feelings, my feelings lead to actions. So we want our actions to be reflecting the God that we serve. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about Without Vision, We Perish. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And I know that many of you are experiencing the aftermath of elections and what has been going on in our country, the world around us. And it, it can feel very, very oppressive and very disturbing and very disheartening. And so this is the time for us as Christians to show the world who we really are. And to recognize that our hope doesn't come from our government, from our friends, from our family, from how much we own, how much money we have, how popular we are, how much you know, activity we have on social media. That is not where our hope comes from. That's not where all our good feelings of peace and security come from. They need to come from the one that has created the universe. But it's coming back to take us home for a great eternity. That this is not our home. This is a temporary place. And, and I'm not saying this is easy. This is, was, it's been very disturbing to me. I didn't ever anticipate that in my lifetime that any of this would be happening. And so this is where we as Christians can show up as people that continue to have hope, faith, we continue to love. We continue to do the right thing, even if nobody sees it, knows it, cares about it, or even if we are shamed for doing it. And it means that we know when to fight 
and when to let God fight the battle. When does the battle belong to the Lord? And this is an important question I ask many of my clients. When, how do we know when and how the battle actually only belongs to the Lord? And I I don't have a good answer for that other than when God has asked me to do things, no matter how hard, how big they were, he always made a way. So I have a lot of great ideas, and I have to make sure that God is in those ideas, that those ideas came from him and not just from me. So we need to be taking time to take stock of our life and say, what, what does my life really stand for? Why am I here to begin with? What am I supposed to be doing? Because life as we know it may never come back. I'm not sure. But what we want to think about is, am I seeking hard after God's vision? What is God doing in all of this? And we have lots of guesses and I've seen lots of things online and the radio, you know, media, all kinds of things, people explaining what's going on in our country and in our world right now. But ultimately, we really don't know. I, I say to clients all the time, you know, I'm really only five years old with God. And once I remind myself I'm a little child, I don't have that awareness and understanding universally. I kind of only know what's in front of me, and I only know a lot of what was behind me. So this is a trust issue with God, that if you want to know God's vision, trust him. Trust him. Ask him and trust him. And the bottom line is, if you don't know what you're supposed to do, just do the next right thing. So if you loved our country prior to this, if you didn't know how much you loved our country until maybe we've lost some of those parts of our country, then this is a time to say, I can still do the right thing. I can still act as if these were the values of my country because those are my values. So I'm not going to let my circumstances and the external environment determine for me how I act, how I think, and what I do. Ultimately, I answer to God. And if you can get yourself kind of right side up so that you recognize that this is, this is passing, this is not permanent, one day this will all be over and we will be in eternity. But today, we do today well. And we honor God in the day that we're living, in how we act toward people, what we let ourselves think on, how much we act out of our own feelings, if we're telling truth, if we're being easily offended, if we're getting controlling, if we're letting the enemy darken our minds so we're losing faith, and we're beginning to think that I don't think God is who I thought he was. And these are really important times to regroup, recenter yourself. Most of us have never experienced the need to really cry out to God for our whole entire experience of living. We have different episodes in our lives that may happen, and I'm not discounting those. But this is the loss of an entire way of living and thinking and the assumptions that we have always made. This is heartbreaking in many ways. 
but you have a God that is a God of hope and truth, justice, righteousness, and peace. Join me in the last segment as we talk more about Without Vision, the People Perish. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm your host, and thank you for joining me today. And also, thank you very much for reviews that you leave um, on the podcast server that you listen to about the show. That helps us a lot. It also helps us know what you are looking for and what you are needing. And so thank you for those reviews and your presence on social media. So we are talking today about the people. With the, with the people, if they lack vision, will perish. And a famous saying, and I, I have not been able to find who, who coined this, says, a man without a vision is a man without a future. And a man without a future will always return to his past. Isn't that interesting? Because that's what we're seeing happening in our country. We're saying, why? This is not a new thing that we're moving toward. Why are we doing this? If we haven't learned, and if we don't have an appropriate godly vision then we don't have a a real future to look to. And without a future, we will always return to what we know, our past. So any successful endeavor requires a vision. So maybe our, our, you know, endeavor right now is continuing to stay positive, hopeful, trusting, godly, to stay being a person of truth, being polite, being kind, being forgiving. So the, the original Hebrew word for vision or revelation, it appears 35 times in the Bible in the Old Testament. And there are over 100 listings of several other Hebrew words in the Old Testament that reference vision or revelation. So vision in the Old Testament refers to a direct revelation from God, either in a person or in a dream. So the word visions means the ability to see the things that are invisible. So in other words, it's seeing things through God's eyes. Now, that would be something really important to ask God. To really say to him, Lord, I'm having a hard time being who I think you want me to be. I can't figure out where this is all going. I'm, I'm becoming disheartened. I'm becoming despondent. I'm, I'm depressed. I'm angry. I'm disgusted. I'm heartbroken. And so I like this saying by Helen Keller. And she was asked, what would be the worst, what would be worse than being born blind? And she replied, the only thing worse than being blind is to have sight without vision. I mean, is that poignant, powerful, amazing? So I'm going to say that again. Helen Keller famous deaf woman, blind woman. This woman achieved things that are extraordinary. This is what she said. What would be worse than being born blind would be being blind. It would be not being necessarily blind, having sight without vision. So we all have sight. We see everything that's going on, but do we have vision? Do we understand? Do we know where we fit into all this? Are we willing to show up and let God do what he needs to do through us? 
at any cost? Or are we determined to pray that God returns it to the way that we liked it? So we have to decide. Am I going to ask God for his vision or am I going to keep telling him mine? And Glenn Beck said a, had a great saying. He said, you know, we all want God to be on our side. We really actually have to be on God's side. So it's the same with this idea of vision. We can tell him what we're envisioning, and we might think that our, our ideas are great. Maybe they are. But are they God's? So we have to get in line with what God's vision is. Now, Helen Keller, she was born a healthy child in 1880. And when she was born, she could see and hear, but she lost both those abilities at about 18 months because of a high fever and, and some other unknown illnesses. So at the time, this is the 1880s, blind and deaf people, you know, they really didn't have any hope. They couldn't achieve anything significant in life. But Helen Keller proved that the deaf-blind can learn, graduate from college, write books, affect change in the world. She's the most famous from the age of eight until her death in 1968. And we saw that wonderful movie and play, The Miracle Worker. And it's, it's her story that has become a symbol of hope for people all over the world. She, she gives me hope, and I have sight, and I have hearing. And she gives me hope. So she had vision without sight. So we don't want to be people that have sight with no vision. So the best and the most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt with the heart. So what are your relationships like with the person right in front of you? So your vision needs to include proximity. We have a tendency to think that vision is like way out there. So I think of this big idea and how it's going to affect all the masses maybe instead of saying that we know that Jesus Christ changed the world one person at a time. He had, he had less audience than any of the current people in our world today who have billions of people that are following them, millions, billions of people. And Jesus still had the greatest impact of any man ever to arrive on this planet in history. So we see that in Hebrews eleven six it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So maybe, this is what I've been thinking, at least for myself, maybe vision for me would be having more faith. Maybe that needs to be, you know, the goal. That God says, you know what, this is, this is the vision I have for my people. I want them to have more faith in who their God is. And that's, that's kind of rocked me a little bit, and it's helped me, because I sometimes want concrete things, like I'm going to pray specifically for this part of the country, for this part of the world, for this event that's going on in the world. I'm going to pray specifically or have vision that this can change, and I'm going to pray really hard to make it change. Instead of God saying to me, I'm the one with the vision. I'm, I'm the one with the vision. Can you please envision yourself having faith in me? Can you work toward that vision of what it would look like in your life, Cynthia, if you just had faith in me? If you believed what I said and didn't always look for cues to prove 
that it's true or untrue. That you took me at face value. And I can imagine God saying to us, what more do I have to do to prove to you all how much I love you and how far I am willing to go for you? And how hard it might be for me to control myself and not impose on your self-will. You know, if I were God and, and I had to deal with the fact that people have free will and I gave it to them, I'd want to take it back. But that's not God. And so we don't want to try to function in any other way than faith. Because if you do, you'll malfunction. This is why worry is ungodly. And fear makes your vision short circuit. If you're mixing up a bowl of faith and you put in it worry and fear, you're going to, to ruin the recipe. See, Jesus was filled with faith. And he was the calmest person on the earth. He slept soundly in the middle of the storm. When his frightened disciples woke up, he asked them, do you still have no faith? Really? How long have you guys been with me? And you still are struggling to know that you're going to be okay in the next moment. So he says, if you have faith, you'll be able to sleep during a storm. So what does that mean in today's time? If I really have faith, which means I trust that God is who he says he is, I'll be relaxed through these times. I'm not saying that I'm going to have, you know, all kinds of happiness and joy. But I won't be so upset. I won't be so stressed. I won't be so difficult for the people around me or so easily angered or falling into judgmentalism. See, that's what happens when we have no faith because then we're relying on ourselves, and, and we, we do not have the power to make the changes that need to happen right now. We barely can change ourselves. So this is why it's so important that those of us that are sighted people that have sight make sure that we rely more on vision, God's vision, than on our sight. So this is where you ask God, first and foremost, to start with you. So I say to God, instead of giving me the big vision, the big picture of what you're doing, Lord, I want to have vision for who you're asking me to be. I want to be able to see the person that you're wanting me to be, that you have destined me to be, that when you created me in my mother's womb, that was the hope, that was the dream you had when you made me. I want to be that person. So God, give me that kind of vision to see what do I need to change in my life? What do I need to remove? What do I need to add? What areas of my character do I need to work on? Do I need to be more forgiving? Do I need to relax more? Do I need to be more accepting? Or do I need to tighten up things a little bit? Have I given myself excuses to do things I know are not healthy and probably not very godly because of the way the, the world is going right now? So God, tell me your vision for me. How do you envision me so that I can be that person? instead of telling God who I think I am and who I want to be. So this is imperative as we go forward, that the faith that you have in God is that which will help you succeed. And the success may not be 
in the thing that you actually were hoping and dreaming for success in. But what you will find is that when you are walking out God's vision for you and your life and who you are, you'll be amazed at how good the successes feel and how right they feel and how well they fit you. So I'm so glad you joined me today. I really encourage you to, to read Viktor Frankl's books, book Man's Search for Meaning, where he really talks about the mind and how the mind works. And, and also the, the Newberg books about how words can change your brain. And this is one of the most efficient ways to turn your life around is simply change the way you think. And we have that great verse that tells us, for as a man thinketh within, so he is. And so God knows his design. He also has great vision for you. He knows why he created you. He wanted you. He destined you to be born on the day that you were born, to do the things that only you can do. So ask God for that vision. Tell God, I don't want to perish. I don't want to become less than who I'm supposed to be. I don't want to be the person people have to get over. I want to be the person that you envisioned me being when you created me. Give me that vision, Lord, that I know who I am and who you have caused and wanted me to be. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Wow, thank you so much for joining me today. And I look forward to talking to you next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from our website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be